0: Jason, welcome. Thank you. Well, actually, I'm a failure when it comes to the warriors because my wife is really the fanatic, you know. <clears throat> I would try to catch it. I would come in and look at it, and she's yelling and screaming and jumping up and down and pointing, and, and then I'll leave, And then when something really gets exciting again, I'll come back in. And uh, it was a good game, but I enjoyed watching my wife more. You know, it just... Well, I'm going to try to be good to you today. Um, I I teach at uh, Northern California Bible College, and so I'm used to two hours of teaching. And uh, so I'll try not to do that to you. Though I do have some brochures out there, and the president said to be sure to tell you about the college and uh, encourage you to come. Um, Let's turn, uh, I'm going to have you turn to Genesis, and we're also going to be jumping over to Romans 8. And we're going to be looking at the fatherhood of God. And the thing that I want to uh, really drive home is um, the blessing of who God is. In a real sense, what we have, we have imperfect fathers, and, uh, but we derive our name from God. God has chosen to reveal himself as a father, and so it behooves us to try to define what that is. And as we go through the definition, you're going to find out that uh, we we fall short. Our dads fall short of some of these definitions. And we're going to find that we have homes where it's a single parent, and we're going to find homes where uh, the fathers feel defeated because of different things that have taken place in their life. And so <clears throat> the, the, the first thing I want to say, could you put the first slide up? The thing I want to say is, God, and it's been said several times here today, divine fatherhood, God, is not a failure. Now, he had a failure in his children, but he didn't fail them as a father. And that's a whole teaching in and of itself. But what I want to drive home here is the fact that divine fatherhood is the environment in which life best thrives. When God... Was beginning with Adam and Eve. We have a a world that was thriving. It was a world that was being handled in a correct way. And we're going to look at some of the principles of what God did, because if we're going to ask, well, what is the Father, then we need to go back to the Father, and we need to look at his principles of how he did things. But as we do that, I want you to understand this. Where I want to go is the fact that in Christ there's the promise of restoring the environment of fatherhood in your life, in your family, in your city, in your nation. It can happen. That is what we call the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, when Jesus came, he brought the internal kingdom, which was the reestablishment of God, not as just the king and the ruler, but as the father. The heart of the universe is the Father. The heart of existence is the Father. And when we draw people to Christ, when we call people to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Jesus is only, now listen to me, Jesus is only the door through which we go to find the Father. When one of Jesus' disciples said, uh, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. In John 14, he says, Have you been with me so long that haven't you known if you see me, you've seen the Father? And so when we look at John and we look at uh, the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus came to reveal the Father. Okay, let's let's begin with the next slide. Um the first thing we find in Genesis about God is that the Father gives us identity. Now, let me back up for a minute. When I talk about fatherhood, I'm also talking about parenting, okay? And moms, we're going to include you on Mother's Day, okay? But today's Father's Day, so that's where we're kind of focusing. But I want you to understand this, that Jesus said, uh, uh, God said, let us make them in our image, a father, a family, gives you your first understanding of who you are. They're the ones that show you value. They're the ones that show you your worth. They're the ones who, by their time and their efforts, let you know how, much, how meaningful you are. And so when we do a good job at that, there's a healthy self-image. When we do a bad job at that, there's a bad self-image. But I want you to know something that God the Father has always intended to make us sons and daughters. That's always been his dream. And the reason God didn't give up on humanity is because God's a family man and he wants a family. He wants more. You say, well, Jesus is the only son, the only begotten son of God. That's true, but he wanted more. Love always wants to give, love always wants to share more. And that's always been the heart of God. And so God wants to uh, enlarge his family by including you. One of the unique things I tell my students is this. We are the only animal, we're the only created being that God has made part of the Trinity. Think about that. Jesus took humanity back into the Godhead. That had not existed prior to Christ. That's how much God values you and me. And God laid his life down, laid his son's life down for you because he wants you to be a blood-bought son, daughter of God. And not only that, but we're going to look at Romans 8, how God is going to give you everything he wants to give Jesus, he's going to give you. It almost seems unfair. We didn't hang on a cross. We didn't die. We didn't serve the Father through eons of ages. But God is going to adopt you into his family. And if you're a Christian, you're already adopted. Hallelujah. And you're going to have an inheritance. In fact, it's going to knock your socks off when you see the inheritance God's going to give you. But God is giving us our image. So, It doesn't matter how you were raised except that there's the consequences and the results of that. But what I want you to understand is this. You are a divine being who is being prepared for to rule and reign with Christ. You're going to have an inheritance that's incredible. I want you to understand this, that 80 years that you might live here is nothing compared to the eternity that you are going to be a son and daughter of God serving him in whatever kind of existence is going to follow this one. And God is going to trust you as his sons and daughters like he trusts Jesus to accomplish his will. Isn't that amazing? You know, once in a while you just have to sit around and let God stun you. You know, whoa, that's pretty good. So we get our identity from God. Go to the next slide. Well, when God created Adam, he created him as a spirit being. He created him with the ability to know God and to be a spiritual being, to have his image, which is not the flesh and blood, but it's the ability to have meaning and purpose and all those things that that, uh, reside in God. But the next thing he did is it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in uh, in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. God is our provider, right? God provided food. He provided the things that were going to be necessary to sustain them. And because I'm not going to keep you for two hours, let's move to the next slide. And not only that, but the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. One of the things that fathers are supposed to do is they're supposed to give vocation to their children. It used to be that they would teach them the trade that they had. And so one of the things that you were supposed to do is to teach them how to hunt, how to fish, how to do uh, those things. We don't quite have that type of a structure in society anymore, but we're responsible to teach them the value of work. Work is an important thing. God created work. Maybe that changes your opinion of God, but I want you to understand that God intended for man to use his creative abilities to be industrious, to do the things. You know, it, it, it's, if you like what you do, it's fun getting up in the morning and going out and working. The Lord put man there so that he would learn to work, to use his hands to do the things that he needed to do in order to survive and to serve the Lord. Let's go to the next one. Um, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat eat of it, you shall surely die. One of the things fathers do is set boundaries. Now, all parents, mothers included, set boundaries. But fathers are responsible for there to be Limits to what they want, what they think is safe, what they think is important, what they think is uh, the right thing to do. And so when fathers set boundaries, those boundaries come with authority. They say, if you break those boundaries, if you move past those boundaries, then there's going to be consequences for what you have done. The hardest thing, especially when you're working two jobs and you're coming home late and you've fought through Silicon Valley traffic, is the last thing you want to do when you walk in is to have uh, your wife or your husband or someone walk up to you and say, do you know what Johnny did today? And you go, I don't want to know what Johnny did today. In fact is, don't talk to me for 30 minutes, I'm just going to go stick my head in the pillow and rest, okay? But we don't want to hear it. But the problem is, is when boundaries are violated, then there has to be consequences. But here's the point. Make sure your boundaries are clear. Make sure that they understand why there's those boundaries and help them, help them understand the importance of those boundaries. Okay? So... That's one of the things that fathers provide. In fact, is supposedly, that's what governments are supposed to provide and authorities and power are supposed to provide. They're supposed to have this understanding of what is boundaries uh, that we need to observe. Okay, next slide. And it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? It seems that God spent the cool of the afternoon with the Lord. I mean, with the with Adam and Eve. And so it seems like God would give time, and it would probably be there that he would say, Adam, how did you do in the garden today? And he says, well, I, you know, I worked on that tree, that tree, that tree. You know, I'm gathering in crops, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And so he would talk it over with God, what was going on. And God would say, you know, Adam, let me suggest some better ways of doing that. Let me help you understand why this fruit is particularly healthy for you. And I mean, God would just carry on a conversation. He would spend time with Adam and Eve. And the best thing that you can give your children is time. Someone said you spell love T-I-M-E, right? And so, kids find out how valuable they are by how much you're willing to give them. Now, it doesn't mean you have to give them every waking moment, but it does mean this, that they see that there is a concerted effort from you to be with them. That's how they get value. How do little girls know how a man's supposed to treat them? They know that through their father. How does a man know how a woman's supposed to respond to them? Through their mother. And so... We find that God did spend time with Adam and Eve, and that's important. You know, just finding things that are fun to do. Uh, We used to have a dog named Lance, and when we first moved into the house that we had, uh, they they had never mowed anything around the house. That's why we got a good price on it. And, um, And so anyhow, the one thing we would see is the white tail of Lance, you know, running through the weeds, and we would know where he was. And, of course, the one thing that I liked to do was go hide in the weeds, you know. And so the boys, after a while, learned to call Lance and say, find Dad, you know. And then the tail would come, and it would just stop. And so they would know where I was at. And, uh, but anyhow, it, it's silly things like that, but it's things like that that show if you're there for them and that they want to, you want to have time with them. Go to the next slide. God taught Adam and Eve about relationships, being sociable in marriage. It says, and the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. I have a feeling that one point in uh, the beginning, uh, Adam walked up in the cool of the evening with God and said, um, I don't know what's wrong with me. And God looked at him and says, well, what do you think's going on? He says, I oh, don't know, I just it just doesn't seem meaningful what I'm doing right now. I just working for you and myself. And he says, Well, Adam, what you're experiencing is loneliness. What's that? That means that you wish to have a relationship with other beings like you. Oh, that's difficult. I haven't seen anybody like me. And so God had put Adam out. Adam had looked at all the animals. It says there was no helper, no suitable mate out there in the animal kingdom. And so God eventually created Eve. Wonderful creation. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. Now, this is a prophetic understanding that God gave Adam. And so, all of a sudden, Adam now, through his father, has an understanding of what is loneliness. What, how do you meet that loneliness? What is sex? What is marriage? What is, how do, what is family? What are these things? This is all new to this new being. And so God taught him. God spent time in the cool of the evening and saying, Adam, what you're going through is just a need that I put in you. I don't know if you're aware of that, but God created sex. Sorry, but that's true. And, uh, and so he says, what, what you're going through, the need you're going through in your life, is the need for completion, for oneness. And so God teaches man about marriage and relationship. Go to the next slide. Now, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, you would simply, you know, most parents just try to protect their kids from any kind of a problem. We buy insurance, we do everything, we build yard fences, we tell our kids don't go beyond the fence... What we try to do is we try to protect them from danger and we try to protect them from things that would hurt their lives. The problem is, is you cannot protect your children from temptation. You cannot keep them from looking at something that's on the other side of the boundary that you have drawn. And so God knew that. And of all the trees, God creates one tree that's a no-no, okay? Okay. I don't know if you've ever had the experience, but I remember one of my daughters, I won't say which one, but I remember that we taught the word hot, hot, hot. You know, we had coil stoves and things like that, and they would want to reach. You know, we'd say, no, no, hot. And I remember one time, one of my kids were looking at me and went, I said, no, hot, hot. You know, and they just held their hand there. And, you know, it was one of those things that do you grab the kids, shake them, what do you do, you know? But uh, finally, um, they felt the heat and pulled their hand back, right? So sometimes you have to allow them to know there's a consequence for giving into temptation. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Now, fathers are responsible, parents are responsible for accountability. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave me uh, to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. God came to them and He said, "Look, uh, what's what's happened? What what's going on here?" And uh, Adam confesses, Eve confesses, and uh, so what immediately happens is God is is now going to have a come to Jesus moment. We used to call it in our house. This is a come to Jesus moment, okay? And uh, you need to tell me what what have you done? He says, "Well, I've done the thing that you've asked me not to do." And then he said, well, why did you do that? Okay, one of the things you're going to find out about children is they're great at excusing and they're great at blaming. Well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's because of my sister or my brother or someone else. They did it. And so, and then um, the first thing they did was hide. Did you ever do that when you know your dad was coming home? Now, I grew up in a family that believed in corporal punishment. I don't know if any of you believed in that but uh, my dad did and uh, my mom would say the horrible thing to me of you wait till your dad comes home i just one time i pleaded with my mom deal with me now you know, deal with me now, spank me now, I'll take it from you." And she'd say, "No, your dad has to do it. all that. My dad never liked that, but that was what my mom decided. And so anyhow, uh, my dad would come home, and I would just kind of drift off into the woodwork, you know, and he'd be busy and mom' be sharing, and I would just pray and pray and pray, let them forget what happened, let them forget what happened. And then eventually I'd hear, "Danny, where are you?" and i'd go in and he'd say mom told me what you did and then he'd go through this litany of now you know better than that right yeah you know and i'll be good i swear i'll be good you know and he says i know son and this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you you know and you know and then we would go wham wham so what what ended up happening was i had to have a point of accountability and dad was the point of accountability. And we need to have not... We must not allow our busyness and our and the excuses... I mean, some of the excuses could be really good excuses. And we must not allow the hiding to take away from the fact that we have to follow through. If you're going to... For heaven's sakes, don't set the boundary if you're not going to follow through. The worst thing I hear is when is when parents go... Johnny, I'm going to tell you one more time, and it's the fifth time they've said this, you know. I'm going to tell you one more time. Don't do that. And after a while, it just becomes meaningless. And if you don't enforce boundaries and accountability, then don't expect respect. Okay, the next thing. But the heart of God is restoration. And it says in Genesis 3.15, it says that the seed of woman would destroy the head of Satan. And God also promises in Malachi 4, 5, and 6, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the heart of children to their fathers. So the ultimate goal of a father is never punishment. The ultimate goal of a father is never order in the home. The, the function of a father is restoration and to bring their children to a knowledge of their need of God, okay? Your children are going to disobey. There's going to be that struggle. But your goal is to point them beyond yourself to God to make that transfer. Now, one of the things I want to point out to you, and I want you to go over now to Romans 8, and we'll try to... um, move this into another direction here I wanted to, this is not exhaustive but I wanted to give you just a review of what it is to what is fatherhood how did God work out fatherhood now let me ask you would this be a good way to lead a nation and a city Okay, I know you had to wake up on that one is this a good way to lead you know, why do we have a police force Why do we have an army? Why do we have social workers? Why do we have, um, you know, these various bureaus and things that we do? It's because the environment of divine fatherhood is where life thrives. When we know we have boundaries, when we know we have protection, when we know we have provision, when we know that we have these things that a father provides, when we know that authority is Moving in our behalf, we can live peacefully. We can live safe. And there's an environment of safety. But when these things begin to break down, whether at a family level or a national level or a city level, you begin to be nervous. You begin to lock your doors. You begin to have city neighborhood watches. You begin to, because you want security. And that's what dad brings. That's what he's supposed to bring. Is security, But above all, he needs to bring us to ourselves and he needs to bring us to God and he needs to be there to destroy something that happened when Adam fell. When Adam fell and we lost the fatherhood of God, now we didn't lose it, but we were cut off from it because of our sins. We became orphans. The world culture as we know it became an orphan. We no longer had a father. Now we had a cruel dictator in Satan. We had someone who manipulated and lied and stealed and killed and taught us how to be something we should never have been. But it's interesting, it says that we became orphans. An orphan is someone who doesn't know who they are. Who who am I? What am I? Where do I belong? who loves me do i have value to anyone those are the questions of an orphan do you hear those questions out in society you know why am i here where where are we going what's the purpose of all of this that's the spirit of an orphan an orphan spirit brings an enslaving fear feeling we must earn love earn value there is a fear of rejection not measuring up not being able to be good enough The orphan feels the weight of being alone and unsure of who he is and where he's going because there's never been an example of what is a successful life, of what is a successful man, what is a successful family. But God did not leave that as the last word. Would you go to the next slide? It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. This is found over in Romans chapter 8. In fact, as I encourage you to read all of Romans chapter 8, it's a powerful chapter on the fatherhood of God and what we have in the Lord The world is, it doesn't surprise us that the world knows that it's messed up, that the world is waiting for something, it's looking for something, it's not sure of what it is. But what it wants more than anything else is it wants sonship. It wants a father figure, a father understanding, a father environment that brings these things that we've talked about. If you go into Romans 8, and I'm not going to take the time because I know our time's gone, but if you go into Romans 8, you find out chapter uh, 8, verse 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we as dads, sometimes we as sons and daughters, sometimes we as, uh, as friends or whatever, we need to know that God has forgiven us, that God has stepped back from some of the mistakes and God has said, look, you're my son. And I'll discipline you, and I'll work with you, but I want you to know I won't condemn you. I won't condemn you. I won't reject you. I won't push you away. It's critical. In Romans 8.14, it says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Praise God, we have scripture, we have the Holy Spirit who directs us. He gives us a sense of what we should do. God gives us leaders, he gives us pastors, he gives us parents who are able to speak direction into our life. But the two essential things, and there's more things we can pull out of uh, chapter 8, but I want to point out one essential thing. It says this in uh, 829. It says... um, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to become become conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. I want you to be, I want you to just rest in this fact. God is not finished with you. He's going to conform you. He's going to uh, mold you. If you will surrender to him, if you will yield your mistakes, yield your imperfections, and yield your dreams and your hopes and all your desires, if you will yield that to God, God is determined to still be your father. And he will help mold and form until you take on the image of a true son. And the second thing we find is in Romans eight twenty eight. 28. It's one of my favorite Uh, Verses, And it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you know what that means? I had an artist one time come into one of our churches. It was one of these things where he stood up and he he said, Come up and scribble on this white sheet of paper. And someone would come up and just... And then he would look at it, and it would be amazing how he would turn that into a beautiful picture. He would take the scribble and turn it into this beautiful picture. And I just want you to know this, that those who trust in the Lord Jesus, it says very clearly here, God will take your life and turn it into something valuable, even your mistakes. How many of you know sometimes sharing with someone your mistakes is as good as sometimes sharing your, fail, uh, your successes? And so those are things that God has said. He's saying, if you will be my son, if you will be my daughter, then I will t- give me your mess. Give me your mess and I'll turn it into something that's worthwhile before you check out of this life. Amen? Sounds pretty good. How many feel like you're orphans? I'm not talking about physically, but you know in your heart of hearts, you don't have the fatherhood of God established in your life. I want to challenge you this morning be adopted. In fact is, come on up here, and Pastor and I will begin adoption proceedings, okay? And we'll make sure that you get in to fatherhood of God. Amen? But the other thing is this. I want you dads... Go to the last slide. Oh, no, it's not the last slide, but go to the next slide. Uh, You know, here's the adoption process, okay? The spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father... Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Uh, My daughter, uh, Sarah, who's here today, she went to Israel. And I think, Sarah, you were out by a a swimming pool and a little Jewish boy was running around the pool and he was going, Abba, 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 and then he'd jump in on his dad, you know. And it means a daddy. It's it's a, a familiar term towards the father. And so God, when he saves us, when he adopts us, he puts in us daddy. There's an intimacy. There's a knowledge. There's a, um, one of the things I used to enjoy is to get out in the middle of the floor and let the kids jump on me. And then I would just slowly wrestle them and push them off. And then they'd come back on. and, And, you know, and it was just a real fun time of enjoying one another, just being intimate. And that's what God puts in us. For the first time in our life when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior is you have the experience of Abba. Abba. My God loves me deeply and he's here with me and he'll never leave me or forsake me. Now go to the last slide. The last slide is, again, this passage that God will send us fathers in the last days who will receive us back and who will lead us into transformation. Okay. Dads, would you do me a favor and would you stand one more time? I know some of you um, have been very good dads, and I, I praise God for you. Some of us are a little more disappointed in some of our fathership but I want you to do this. I want you to repeat after me, but I want you to turn to a mother, uh, I mean, a wife or a daughter or a son who may be here, and I want you to repeat after me. Please be patient. God's not done with me yet. Amen. All right? And that's good, right? Now, I want daughters... I want sons, I want uh, wives, mothers, whatever. Uh, put your hands towards these, Dad, like we did earlier. And I want you to so signify that you forgive them and you are going to pray for them. I mean, if you can find this in your heart, I want you to do it. And I want you to Here, we're going to pray. Father, we bless these men. Father, we ask you to strengthen them because it's never too late to improve in being a dad. And so, Father, we pray that you would come and you would just remove the frustrations, remove the the regrets, remove those things, Father, and restore and heal and raise them up to be the best that they can be for Jesus Christ, and for their family. For we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to ask uh, the, our worship team to come on up here, and we're going to continue worshiping. And I know Pastor's going to be over here. We're both going to be over here by the well, and we'll be praying with you. But my biggest thing to you is this. Um, God is creating in you your best person, who you are. Um, Don't give up. Don't live in the past.